Hey, hey, hey! Welcome back to Living Box Free. I'm Ashleen Seitz. And I'm Becky Ford. And we are here to talk today about uncertainty or ambiguity. Hey, Asher, what are you doing, man? What are you doing back there? <laughs> He's shaking things <laughs> He's up. shaking it up. <laughs> uh, and we're going to talk about the uncertain things in life, which there are so many uncertain things in life. There's so much ambiguity. There's so many times when we we don't know what's coming next. We don't, we feel like change is coming or change is happening or there's a decision to make and we don't have all of the details. We have to deal with it. So how do we deal with it? And what makes us good or not so good at dealing with it? So we're going to talk about that today. I'm excited. But before we do that, <laughs> Becky, what's on the rise for you today? Or this week, I mean. Yeah. <laughs> Today, this Today. week, well, speaking of the dog shaking in the background, his collar, <laughs> my dog is getting fluffy, and I don't mean hair. He is eating a lot of our child's food, so he doesn't want to eat his own food. But the big <laughs> picture is it's been raining a lot because it's spring, and normally I would I try to walk my dog every day, every other day. He's not getting walks and he's getting fluffier as we speak. His harness, I was telling Ash, is like his pant size. And I'm like, dude, we have to go up in your harness again? We got to yeah. loosen this again? So sadly, rain is causing my dog not to get walked, and gotcha. he's starting to get a little fluffy. Yeah, it was. Uh, I got here around 2, I think, and he was eating, and Becky was like, yeah, he's eating breakfast. And I said, what? And she said, yeah, he eats so, so much of Sawyer's food that oh my gosh. he's not hungry anymore. I What makes my blood boil is when I cook some delicious thing for Sawyer mm. and he, he wants it and he takes it. And then I turn around and I look back <laughs> and, and he's feeding the, the dog and I'm like, Oh, that's for you. <laughs> Stop doing that. Those berries are expensive. <laughs> Don't feed them to the dog. Oh, anyway, it's all good. It's all good. My dog is well fed. That's the moral of the story. Yep. Ash, what is on the rise for you? Well, as we're recording this Easter is almost over so I am looking forward to some rest and relaxation post-Easter before my best friend's wedding. Oh, wow. I'm I'm looking forward to chilling. And if yeah. you listen to our podcast last week, I will probably do multiple types of rest because I need all the rest. <laughs> all of them. All of it. Everyone. <laughs> all of the all of the rest, please. Every all of the seven types. Good. So I am looking forward to that. I hope Almost you get there. lots of rest. Thank you. Yes. All right. Let's talk about ambiguity. Let's do it. As we jump into this, quick reference, a lot of the content we use, there's uh, an article out there that we pulled from, but a, a lot of it comes from a book called the FYI book. Hmm. It's by a company called Corn Fairy. Cool. It's on my shelf over here. Um, that FYI book we use a lot in our organization and other organizations do as well around core competencies mm -hmm. and dealing with ambiguity is one of those core competencies in this book that gives you tips on what does good look like? What does bad look like? And then what are some strategies to help you improve? And so first off, let's just talk about the definition. Mm -hmm. What does dealing with ambiguity look like? What does that mean? Here's what we've got, and this comes from the book, the FYI book, operating effectively even when things are not certain or the way forward is not clear. Mm. Just saying that, some people might just be getting sick to their stomach hearing that. <laughs> and for, for certain individuals, we innately 
hate uncertainty. Yep. And other individuals might actually get energized by uncertainty, uncertainty and the unknown. Yeah. So I say that because personality-wise, we are born with our personality. Like some people just tend to be better at dealing with uncertainty and ambiguity than yeah. others. And that is okay. I I deal with some uncertainty well and then other uncertainty very, very poorly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Some uncertainty, I'm okay with like flexing in the moment if, I mean, I feel like even podcasting is kind of some mm-hmm. ambiguity. Don't really know what's going to come out of my mouth and I'm just going to go with it. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, in situations where it's like we just need to roll with it, I don't need, I have a very low need to know and so I can just go and be like, okay. I know we're going to Michigan. I don't know where in Michigan. I don't care. Mm -hmm. Here we go. And I'm good at that. Making decisions without complete information, I am not good at. Yeah. And I'm thinking even of, I mean, I'm the maid of honor in my friend's wedding, and I need to book an Airbnb for the bridesmaids to stay in, but I haven't gotten answers from all the bridesmaids about what nights they need and who all needs room, and I don't know all of the information about travel and am I going to drive? Am I going to fly? I don't know all these things. And I'm like, I'm just totally stuttering on making a decision because I don't have all the information, but it just needs to be made. Yes. So. Yeah. That you just called out a couple different great examples of uncertainty and mm-hmm. how they can be different circumstances and you can react to those differently. <laughs> there are some people that on a daily basis, they need to know everything they're doing with who they are doing it with yes. at what time. <laughs> and uh, and what movements? Exactly. Lauren. <laughs> <laughs> there are certain people that have to know all of that and other yeah. people who can just go in with the flow in those moments on mm-hmm. a daily basis. But bigger things, like yeah. what you're talking about, we want all the details. Yep. And in this FYI book, actually, it talks at the beginning, I believe it was 90% of managers said that they have to make decisions without all of the data. Mm, yeah. and I believe that. Yeah. And we'll talk, we'll get to this progress over perfection. That's one of the things that might cripple us in dealing with ambiguity. So really, really good examples there. My personalities might be shocking. I like change. (laughs) I think it's exciting. Uh, And in uncertain moments, and it also makes me think I went through like crisis communications Mm. training through college and like how to stay calm and like the challenge of being like, all right, in this crisis, what do we do? What's the next step? What what yeah. do we know? Like there's something that kind of well, that sounds fun. gives me a high a little bit, like <laughs> yeah. excited to like try. It's almost like a board game. Isn't there a board game like Pandemic or something like that? There or is a ep- board game called Pandemic. Well, like you figure out how to... Save the world. Yeah. Yeah. So kind of like that. Sort like of. Maybe. I haven't actually played the game. Yeah. Shocking. I, that's cl- very clear to me. I've heard you, ta- I've heard you talk <laughs> about it. Okay. Well. Yes. Let's get into it. Okay, let's t- let's do it. We're going to talk about three things. One, what does good look like? What does bad look like? Wah, wah. <laughs> so if you're if you're listening to this, you're like, hmm, I think I'm good at dealing with ambiguity. You're about to find out. We're going to give you a assessment. You can check the box or not check the box, and that's going to tell you where we you stack up. We can just up. talk about how I feel about making decisions, and you will know exactly <laughs> what does bad look like. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Hey, we all, even if you're, even like anyone, even if you love uncertainty and change, we all have room to grow. And then we'll talk about top tips to help you become more skilled and comfortable with dealing with ambiguity. And then I'll just share a couple of resources at the end. What does good look like? Go ahead, get your pencil out, get your notebook. You can check the box or put an X 
because you're like, ooh, that's not me. So this is what good looks like. You deal comfortably with uncertainty or change, Mm. effectively handles risk. So if you are someone, Mm. what Enneagram type is that, that always thinks of worst case scenario? Six. Six, yeah. Um, You might struggle with this one. (laughs) There are people at work, uh, there are a couple of sixes at work that um, (laughs) were sharing stories yesterday of their worst work dreams, work stress dreams, because they have like the worst case scenario dreams about work. Oh my goodness. That sounds so not fun. No, it does not. (laughs) Anyway, keep going. So effectively handles risk. Next one can decide and act without the total picture. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, I had a leader tell me once, Becky, if you have 80% of the information you need, make the choice. Wow. Because we don't have time to get the other 20%. That's really hard for certain people. Yeah. I think of people I work with who are in research and development. That's really hard. Oh, yeah. They want 99.9% of all the information before they make a decision. (laughs) If not more. If not more, 100%. Next one is calm and productive even when things are up in the air. Hmm. This one, I think about people when things are up in the air. I've seen people become crippled and throw their hands up and say, I'm just not going to do anything. I'm too overwhelmed. So can you still be productive? in those moments. Yeah. Last one deals constructively with problems that do not have clear solutions or outcomes. Mm. So that's what good looks like. Let's talk about who is naturally talented at dealing with ambiguity. Oh yes. Let's. Let's. (laughs) Is energized when faced with ambiguity and uncertainty. So it actually brings you energy, Mm -hmm. makes significant progress and remains calm, composed in uncertainty. Mm Mm-hmm. Some people don't have good poker faces. No, that is very true. (laughs) So are you like truly calm in those moments or are you a duck whose feet are totally pedaling a thousand miles per hour (laughs) under the water and your face shows it, manages the risk that comes with moving forward when the outcome isn't clear? So this goes back to, we talked about uh, effectively handles risk. Mm -hmm. So you're still moving forward. Outcome's not clear. You know that there's risk. Maybe you have... A, a plan in case that happens. Yeah. And then finally, adapts quickly to changing conditions. Hmm. Adapts quickly to changing conditions. That makes me think about the Stephen Covey circle of influence. People who are really skilled in adapting quickly to changing conditions, they know how to embrace what's in their control and what's not in their control mm-hmm. and say, okay, it's not in my control. I can't control. I mean, the pandemic was such a great example of dealing with uncertainty. Yeah. Oh gosh. Yes. Like I can't control that they're causing us to close our gym. Right. All right. What are we going to do? How are we going to roll with it? Yep. Yeah. Me freaking out does not help. It does not contribute yeah. <laughs> to this. What can we do with what we have yeah. and what resources we have? Yeah. So that's another one. I would be fascinated at another juncture to talk about risk and like acceptable risk and how you decide what's acceptable risk. That's just, let's just throw that out. Yeah. The risk versus reward. Yes. Yeah. Charting that. Yep. There's quite a few tools. Uh, I don't, have you heard of Six Sigma? Mm Mm-mm. So Six Sigma, it's actually like something you can get trained in and there's, it's cool. There's different belts. You can be a black belt Ooh, Six Sigma. Right. Yeah. So they have a lot of neat tools that yeah. can help with things like that. Yeah. Um, and there's like different ways of graph, graphing things, charting things yeah. to process the risk. What's the plan if that happens? What is the hit? Yeah. Um, what's the reward? 
if it doesn't happen, that type yeah. of stuff. So that, there's another resource for you, Six Sigma. Yeah. Awesome. You can go research that if you would love to learn some cool nerdy tools for processing maybe, through some maybe of Maybe I'll make you do an episode on that later. I am not certified. However, a lot of people I work with, there's like certain certified mm. Six Sigma people. They do a lot of process improvement. Black belts, yeah. <laughs> Actually, one of them, I'm um, doing a team retreat the end of April, and I have one of them coming in to facilitate something, and I'm really excited to watch. Yeah. Yeah, awesome. but it's like a lot of process improvement yeah. type stuff. Cool. Let's talk about what does it look like you f- you are less skilled. Ashleen. At dealing with ambiguity. <laughs> Let's see. Struggles to make progress when dealing with amb- ambiguous or uncertain situations. Yeah. Delays moving forward until all details are known. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Appears stressed when things are uncertain. Uh, I actually feel like you look calm. You seem pretty calm most I of the time. I usually keep my calm. Yeah. I think it'd have to be really big yeah. for you to seem super stressed. Yep. Operates best when things are structured and predictable. Mm, I wouldn't say that. No. I actually think you like a little uncertainty allows yeah. you to be creative. Yes. Yes. There are quite a few people, though, that need a, yeah. a ton of structure. That's true predictability. Yep. Yep. So if you checked yes to multiple of those, you have room to improve with dealing with ambiguity. I have room to improve. (laughs) And I'm not saying that structure and predictability are bad things. What we are saying is if there's one constant, it is change. Yeah. We have to expect change. And we'll talk about that. When it comes to reasons why you might be less skilled here, we already talked about like just personality types, like Mm -hmm. innately some people get energized by uncertainty. Others get crippled by it. Um, You might be someone who gets easily overwhelmed. That's just a personality trait of yours. A person who prefers to maintain control. Mm. That is a personality trait that definitely struggles with uncertainty because we talked about that Stephen Covey. Stephen Covey's circle of influence, the center of it is what you control. Mm -hmm. The middle ring is what you can influence. Mm. And the last ring is what you cannot influence, you cannot control. And some people love having control (laughs) and they hate living in that outside ring where they can't influence it. They can't control it. And it just, it makes them angry. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Cautious avoids risk. So that's another personality trait that might not lend well to dealing with ambiguity. Uh, We've got people who might be negatively biased. So you focus on the downsides. I just have to point out that I know. your notes say <laughs> negative boas. I was, I, I know, I was typing fast. However, <laughs> I said it correctly as I was reading that. But now I'm trying to picture like what a negative boa would be. Like a like boa constrictor that's going down. An actual negative. snake or would it be like one of those fe- oh, feather boas? I went the snake feather route. Boas. Okay. The feather one's definitely probably safer. Be like black and... And just keeps molting. <laughs> Ooh. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm Keep going. <laughs> I apologize. Okay, so negative boas or negative bias focuses on the downsides. A high need to be right. That is another element, um, a personality trait that might cause us to be less skilled. Dealing with ambiguity, you have to take risk. You have to make decisions. And you are not always going to succeed and be right. So you have to be okay with that. Yeah. And then the last one is perfection-oriented. Mm-hmm. If you're a perfectionist, this might be really hard for you. And and yeah. I am just saying, there are positives to every personality type out there. It's true. I mentioned these differences and why some people might be less skilled because we're just making it aware that it might you might have to use more energy mm-hmm. to become better at dealing with ambiguity and uncertainty. Yeah. 
It might take more work, more practice. Let's talk about how do we do that? Oh, yes, let's. Oh, let's, let's. Let's talk about some tips. The first one is making paradox your friend. Hmm, interesting. Okay. Interesting, yes. And this actually comes from an article that we can link to. It's from an art, uh, a website, Chief Learning Officer. And it does have some really good examples there. Mm-hmm. And a lot of them are a little bit more corporate, yeah. organizational-wide. So paradox is a seemingly absurd or self-contradictory statement or proposition that when investigated or explained may prove to be well-founded or true. So one of the things when we talk about uncertainty is sometimes we have to accept that things we once think are certain Mm -hmm. have now changed and that is no longer the truth or the path. And so dealing with the paradox is being willing to open up our minds to see things in a different way Mm -hmm. and be willing to approach things in a different way. And this is kind of... This includes like the both and mm-hmm. things, right? Uh, yeah. That uh, Jim Bishop talked about yes. when we interviewed him of, you know, it doesn't have to be one or the other. It can be both. Yes. And that's, I think, often what a paradox, what happens in a paradox is you're putting together two things that feel contradictory, but they're not. Exactly. Yeah. Very good. And both can be true. Mm-hmm. As opposed to an oxymoron, which is, they literally cannot be true. Yeah. I feel like I get those two mixed up sometimes. Yeah, no, that I'm glad you, I didn't even think about that. I'm yeah. glad you clarified. Um, one of the things that this article we can link to as well, it talks about how a lot of managers are really good at the quick wins. Like, mm-hmm. oh, if I ship this before this date, it's going to be less expensive. We're going to be more profitable. Mm-hmm. What the really high executives have to be good at are these situations. So dealing with that paradox, so shifting their leadership style to manage these complex issues that are longer term, bigger picture. Um, It takes guts to embrace the paradox, uh, making it your friend rather than denying it. Um, And this can offer more value to your organization. So this this is a lot of organizational mindset Mm -hmm. It can also be applied to our personal lives, yeah. right? Doesn't have we don't have to choose this or that or uncertainty. We can say, oh, we don't. So I'll go back to the gym during the pandemic. Our physical location is closed. We do not have to say that our business is closed, even though all of our business we've ever done has been in person. Yeah, like it can. We can have it closed physically, and we can still operate and offer classes. So it's just, it's opening up our mindset. So it's not this or that it's, Mm -hmm. it's both. Yeah. Let's, let's talk next about don't close too early. Okay. So this goes into, um, so highly organized and focused corporate leaders often like to make lists and cross things off their to-do list. I, myself, I, love the to-do list because I am an achiever. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But we need to make sure that we don't always check something off and say it's done because sometimes circumstances can cause that issue, that opportunity to reopen. So when we say don't close too early, we really mean if you checked it off your to-do list, it might come back up. Mm. Don't, Don't tell everyone, oh, I already did that. It's done. It's resolved. Right. You have to be willing to reopen certain areas. Yeah. I think about teachers, okay? Teachers, you might think, oh, I already wrote my curriculum. Well, 
let's say that all of a sudden your school sh shuts down for two weeks and you have to go virtual, even though you already wrote your curriculum, you might need to change it and yeah. adjust it or f totally flip it up differently. So just making sure that we're okay with revisiting things on our to-do list and recognizing and accepting that well, even though you checked it off once, it might have to come back mm -hmm. and be a new focus again. Yeah. Just because of circumstances and uncertainty. Number three, learn to say, I don't know. Hmm, that can be challenging. It can be very challenging. Mm -hmm. Yes. The best leaders that I have worked with are not the ones who have all the answers. Hmm. They are the leaders who say, I don't know. What do you think? What information do we have? Yeah. Being curious. So this is a this is a hard one for some people. And actually, when I was younger in my career, it was harder because I thought if I didn't know the answers or what to do, then I would be perceived as not as good of an employee, not as talented. Now I'm like, I say I don't know all the time. <laughs> I have no idea. I don't know. I've never done this. I've never even heard of that. <laughs> what are our options? Who has ideas? So being willing to say I don't know. Yeah taking that and leveraging the curiosity to learn. Yeah. So that's that's another one. Number four, expect change always. Mm -hmm. Always expect change. I know I told Ash this offline, off the podcast. A mentor of mine way back in college, she said, I was around, I was writing workshops for high school students. Mm -hmm. And I was so frustrated because I facilitated this workshop and it did not go as I wanted. Yeah. They didn't. And I like had all of these processing questions already pre-memorized and it wasn't getting us there. Yeah. And I talked to her afterwards and she said, Becky, you can have the perfect plan and then people show up. <laughs> you need to yep. expect. And I do this now in my workshops. People ask me. Is, are your communications workshops, for example, are they the exact same every time? Nope. They are different every yeah. time, depending on who the audience is, who's there. And I have to be ready on the fly <laughs> to adjust whether it's what focus we're talking about or how I deliver it based on the people yeah. in the room. Because every person's different. And then you get a whole group of people who are all different together. Yes. And it can be very different from the last group. Yes. So I go in, and this is, I know, just an example of my job. I go into every workshop with a plan, expecting it to change mm. every time because I need people show up yeah. and I need to customize it for them. So similarly, expect yeah. change. When you write the perfect curriculum for your class, expect it to change once <laughs> humans show up. Yes. When you write the the perfect Easter script, <laughs> expect it to change when someone delivers it differently than the tone that Too you soon, wanted Becky. them to. Too soon. <laughs> <laughs> so it's just, it's expecting things to change. And by anticipating that and knowing that's a part of the process, yeah. you are going to be able to be more level-headed and calm because mm -hmm. it was expected. Yeah. We've got two more here. Okay. Number five, experiment, experiment with small steps. If you are not good at making decisions without all the details, if you're not good at staying calm in uncertain situations, practice. Mm. You can practice in your personal life with super simple things. Okay. You can identify, okay, I keep asking a million questions. I don't need to know all this. I'm just going to be in the moment. You can practice those things. Small steps and practicing in a safe environment, whether it's your personal life or maybe it's a small work project, you're going to build that competence. You're not going to build it overnight and be able to change 
100% from one side to the other. It just doesn't happen that way. Small steps, practice, and quite frankly, we talk about community. If you can find a peer coach, I think that's super powerful. Mm -hmm. It could be a teammate. When I say a peer, it doesn't have to be your manager. Some of my best coaches have been teammates who I say, hey, will you call me out if I freak out the next time something changes? (laughs) Can you just call me out? Let me know. Yeah, just let me know and because I'm working on this. Yeah. So having an accountability buddy, a peer coach, if you do want to ask a friend or your manager, you can do that as well. Yeah. Last one. This is probably my favorite. Progress over perfection. <laughs> How many times have you heard that that quote? Uh, quite a few. I was going to say, okay, yeah. I think it's been said quite a bit in in circles that I work with as yeah. well. I wasn't sure if other people say it as often as the people I work yeah, with. Yeah, I've heard it quite a bit. Yeah. Okay. And, and it's said quite a bit for a reason. Mm-hmm. It is better to progress than to wait for it to be perfect. Yeah. And one of the biggest things that paralyzes us is striving for perfection. First off, perfection is usually subjective. Yeah. <laughs> is it truly perfect or is it perfect in your eyes versus this right. other person wouldn't say that? Right. So if that helps you to get rid of that perfection monster, that's what we're going to call it, the perfection monster realize that perfection really is more of a subjective uh, analysis of something. And if we have to expect change, we can expect the perfect response to not work the next time. Yes. (laughs) Yes. It's only going to work once. I was actually (laughs) listening to a different podcast and they were talking about being open. I think it was the Andy Stanley podcast. It was talking about being open to change. And Mm -hmm. it said, did you know at one point the world was flat and that was a fact? Yeah. At one point, Pluto was a planet. And now we laugh as we, and this guy was talking about sitting at the dinner table and his kids laughed that we thought Pluto was a planet. Okay, back then that was the perfect answer. The world is flat. Pluto is a planet. Not anymore. The earth rotates around this, or the sun rotates around the earth. Yes. These are all examples of, yeah, perfection. No, what you might think is perfect and in fact right now might not be years, years down the road. Your kids will be laughing. She thought Pluto was a planet. <laughs> so progress over perfection. I already mentioned, if you've got 80% of the information, mm. you can probably act. Move forward. Move forward. And if you fail, that's okay. Yeah. Go back to plan B. Go back to, okay, what did we learn from this? What new information do we have? Let's let's start again. Yeah. A quote that actually came from the FYI book I I liked here, take advantage of ambiguity in the world, look at something and think, what else might this be? That's by Roger Van Oich. Hmm. It's a good one. Yeah. So as we think about dealing with ambiguity, I love this quote because it, to me, it like inspires my beautiful creative side, (laughs) looking at something and think what else it might be. Yeah. And what else is possible? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and hopefully that can help you approach uncertainty as a beautiful part of the process mm-hmm. of learning and innovation and creating new things. Uh, as as we talk about dealing with ambiguity here, a lot of the stuff I pulled from this FYI book, which is, I would say, the number one resource um, that I would recommend, it talks about dealing with ambiguity as a top competency for leaders and organizational leaders. Another resource I mentioned was the Stephen Covey Circle of Influence. I would just go Google that. And it's a really great exercise. If you are 
dealing with the cir- circumstance or situation, yeah, draw the circle out on a whiteboard, on your notebook, and right in the center of that circle, this is what I can control. Mm. Middle ring, this is what I can influence. So I can't necessarily make my manager change this, but I can give him reasons to. I can influence him. Outside circle, I have no control. I have no influence. And sometimes just writing it in the outside circle allows you to move Mm. forward and stop stewing on it because you can't do anything about it. What can you do something about? Yeah. And uh, the last one, Kubler-Ross change curve. We talked about we this. We talked about this, yeah. And it is, it's helpful to identify our emotions and specifically if you are stuck in change. If there's some uncertainty or change taking place and you are stuck, mm-hmm. that Kubler-Ross change curve walks you through the natural emotions that you have. And you can also look up what do you need to get through each stage you can go back and listen to our podcast about it if you yeah. don't want to Google it and you just want to listen. <laughs> um, so that's the Kubler-Ross change curve. We'll also link to the article that I mentioned, the chief learning officer that has, um, it actually has six key ways to thrive in ambiguity. Nice. I pulled out a few of those in here, also combining some from the FYI mm-hmm. book. Cool. Ah, uncertainty. Uncertainty. I don't know. Yeah. It's that's rough. like practice saying that. Yeah. yeah. I, I am better and better at saying that the older I get. Yeah. Which is, yeah. That's good. I think that comes That's with confidence. confidence. It is. Way to go. Yeah. Yes. Well, we hope this was helpful. Yeah. It was helpful for me. So. Oh, good. I good. don't care if it was helpful for others. <laughs> That's what this is about. That's, it's me. <laughs> it's all about, about me. <laughs> As you listen to this, first off, just know our personalities influence how well we are at dealing with ambiguity. So if you didn't check all the boxes of being skilled at it. It's okay. Yeah. And if you love dealing dealing with ambiguity and uncertainty, great. You can probably still do something to improve. Mm-hmm. And so take an assessment of your life. Is it work? Is it home? Where maybe you struggle a little bit more with uncertainty. Take those small steps to practice. By incorporating these different elements, you are going to be able to stay calm, be patient, and take advantage of looking at something and asking yourself, what else might this be? Yeah. And think of it as a positive thing and not a negative or crippling yeah. thing. An opportunity. Yes. Cool. Woo. That was fun. Yeah. Well, with that, we hope that you have a great rest of your week and practice some of these tips. Yeah. And we'll be back. To. Yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to practice some too. Yeah. Progress over perfection. Just move forward. I don't know. So many things. So many things to say and do. Uh, We hope that you'll join us next time. We appreciate you tuning in. Yeah. Bye, guys. Bye.